0: Hey, everyone, thanks for joining us for week four of the Mindset Podcast. Man, this has been, it's been a lot of fun for us just to jump in here. Monday mornings, we're back at it, Monday morning. Um, Always resistance, it feels like, to get to this moment, just to get here and to talk about this, but you know, this series, I've said it so many times, this whole idea of winning the battle of our minds, engaging the battle of our minds, it has been it has been a game changer for us mm-hmm. in this season just to say okay we're we're going to try this we're going to we're going to work this out we're going to begin to incorporate these practices into our lives in a fresh way at the start of a new year yeah but today we're diving in yesterday if you were able to join us at church we were we were diving into these big ideas of you know, what happens? What happens when you've reached your breaking point? What happens Mm -hmm. when you've reached the end of the rope for yourself, you don't see a way forward, you see no hope, you're filled with despair, Um, perhaps depression, you're paralyzed in the sense of, I don't know where to go, what to do, exhausted, isolated, burned out, discouraged, feeling like a failure. You know, we we sort of built up all these things that all of us, if we're being honest, have felt at one point or another Mm -hmm. in our lives. And then we pivoted and said, okay, well, let's just look at the story of Elijah. Yeah. Like we're not just talking about these mental health issues for the sake of talking about these mental health issues. Let's actually take an example from scripture in the person of Elijah and see, okay, um, three things. Even our even our heroes are human. They need a savior. Elijah is a hero in the Bible. Um, how did Elijah end up in a place like that? Because yeah. we're going to read about how he ended up there. And then number three, how do you receive help from heaven when you've reached your breaking point, when you're at the end of the road, when you don't see any hope for your future and that feeling of despair, depression, mm. hopelessness is paralyzing to you. Yeah. What happens next? What, what does do God do? do in that moment? And mm-hmm. so I'm fired up. We've already so had some good. Good, some good discussion on this topic already, but I wanna start with that that reality. I think what hit us first was the fact that even our heroes need a hero. Even our heroes are human. It's a big deal.
1: Yeah. We were talking about that over the course of the last week. And one of the things that we kept saying over and over again is that you know, growing up, we would read our Bibles and oftentimes the way these stories would be presented to us in Sunday school or in a sermon is look at what Elijah did for God. Look at what look at how God used Elijah in a mighty way. And while he did use Elijah in a mighty way, we oftentimes will read our Bibles like a highlight reel. We will we'll read them almost like the way we read our social media and we'll look at the amazing things that Elijah did for God or the way he was obedient towards God or he believed God. And we'll sum up his whole life with that one victory. But we don't realize that was just the highlight reel of Elijah's life. But when we read the whole story in context and we see that Elijah was not only a man of God and a man of great faith, but he was human. He was just like us. He struggled. He had doubt. He had insecurity. Um, He had a time of despair. And when we see the full picture of it, we realize, oh, we're not just being called to be like Elijah. We're actually called um, to see what is God showing us in Elijah's story and through Elijah's life. How did God show up, I think, in a mightier way in Elijah's life, not just the moment of Mount Carmel, but the moment when he was in his deepest despair and he didn't feel like God could get him out of it, how did God meet him there? That's where I think this story was so encouraging for people because we could see ourselves in the story.
0: It's harder to see us calling down, it's harder to see ourselves calling down fire Mm -hmm. from heaven and outrunning horses in our own strength than it is to see ourselves at the point of where Elijah was. Yes, I give up. I've had enough. Take my life, God. Mm -hmm. I don't want to live anymore. I'm done. I'm afraid. I'm terrified. I'm exhausted. Nothing I'm doing is working. Yes. You know, I would have thought it would have been different by now. There's disappointment. There's expectations gone wrong. And I'm like, I feel like that all the time. You know, that's me. I can relate to that. And then to see, wait a second, this is Elijah we're talking about. I know. Within four verses, he went from calling down fire from heaven to utter despair. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe that's that's sick or something twisted inside of me, but I that brings me so much hope to I, know that Elijah was there.
1: Well, I think we were talking about this God complex. One of yeah. the dynamics of despair is we have this God complex yeah. where um, we think more of ourselves than is true of ourselves. Like we actually think that in ourselves, we can save ourselves. If we just do enough right things, if we just follow and we're obedient to God's word, which is, does come with a blessing in our lives, but it doesn't always play out the way we think it's going yeah. to play out. And so I think with Elijah's life, when we see that he's human, when we see he's just like us, we take off that God complex of, oh, we thought Elijah was the hero of the story. When in fact, God was the hero of the story. And all throughout the Bible, every person God uses, he uses as an example, as kind of a shadow of what's to come, what God is going to do through Jesus. And so we realize Elijah needed Jesus. Elijah needed help from heaven. He couldn't do it in his own strength. And I think there is a part of us that has a God complex, but there's also a part of us that resonates with that. We realize that we're broken. We realize that we're in need we realize we don't have all the answers that we can't measure up we can't do enough and we do have a need for a savior and it's in those places that we really relate to him yeah because we see his desperation and it talks and it speaks to our desperation
0: you know i want to i want to read i want to read uh the scripture that you're really hitting on because it's so it's so true this idea part of our despair is rooted in the fact that we have this god complex. We think we know the future. Yeah. We think we know what the outcome should be once we do our part and you know God does these things. We think, yeah, I should know the future and I should know how this is going to turn out and by my actions I should have been able to impact and influence and almost like secure the outcome. Yes. And that's we don't know the future. We don't know outcomes. Mm-hmm. We just know what we have right here and today yes. and what's amazing is um Elijah here, 1 Kings 19 verse 3, after he receives a message from Jezebel saying, you got 24 hours to live, Elijah, or I'm going to kill you. Um, He says, it says this, verse 3, then he was afraid, so he had fear, he rose up and ran for his life. So he's running afraid for his life, Mm -hmm. came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. He left his servant there. So the last man with him, the one that knew him probably better than anyone else, he said, you stay here. So Mm -hmm. he fully isolates himself. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he went a day's journey further into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree, which is like this bush in the desert. And he asked God that he might die. Mm -hmm said, Lord, end it, end my life, right? We are talking exactly uh, one, two, three, four, five, five, verses after he called down fire from heaven yeah. after he brought the rain back god brought the rain back on his command mm-hmm. after the spirit of god came upon him and he ran faster than all mm-hmm. the horses of Ahab's household and yeah. military all the way back to Jezreel after god has done supernatural thing after supernatural thing here we are Elijah one message from Jezebel yes and now he's like i'm done i give up yeah take my life god I've mm-hmm. never been more despairing, more depressed, more sorrowful, more exhausted, more anything. And he says this, it's enough now, Lord, I've had enough. Take away my life for I am no better than my father's. Mm. I'm no better than my father's. And later in the conversation with God, he, we see a little deeper in that. and He says, I've been so zealous for you. I've done everything you wanted me to do. Yeah. And this still didn't turn out the way I thought it was going to turn out. Gosh. So. Even our heroes need a hero. Right at the moment where Elijah was done, he gave up. He just said, Take my life, God. Despair had completely clouded his view of reality. Yeah. Despair had spoken to the depth of his soul. And right there, the angel of the Lord, which is throughout the Old Testament, the pre incarnate Christ, Jesus Christ himself, came to Elijah and gave him exactly what he needed for the next part of his journey. Yeah, It's a picture of the cross, a picture of the gospel and resurrection right there in the story. Even our heroes needed mm-hmm. a hero. But I wanna talk about the dynamics of his despair. Yeah, What brought him to that moment? And man, we were talking about this too. There were a couple of things that you said I felt like hit on this so well. Like yeah. how did he get there, but how do we find ourselves there?
1: Yeah, I think the first thing I noticed in that story was, um, you know, he ran ahead of the horses, he was going to Jezreel to, he wanted to see the leadership repent. He wanted to see if, you know, the people rise up after the fire, yes, after the fire, after um, God proved himself to be the one true God. And um, I think Elijah in his mind felt like he did everything that was expected of him. Now God was going to do what he expected God to do. So he had this almost, And I would say for many of us, we have kind of a transactional relationship with God where we think, okay, God, if we do our part and we do it this way, you're going to show up and do it that way. And usually the way we expect God to show up is we expect him to fulfill our plans. On our timeline. On our timeline with the outcome that we expected him to do. And I think Elijah um, was struck with the reality that, you know, it wasn't turning out the way he wanted people you know, although many people in the nation turned back to God, Jezebel and Ahab, King Ahab, didn't, and Jezebel just sent one threat. She sent one word um, of discouragement to him. I mean, I mean, a life, a death sentence. She sent, and um, instead of instead of Elijah seeing that as confirmation that he was in the will of God, like he was still doing what god was asking him yeah. to do he was still yeah. being faithful to god like sometimes i think when we receive opposition yeah. we say oh well there must be something wrong or i'm not doing it right or it didn't turn out the way you know he expected it to turn out so he was disappointed in the outcome and he took that threat as evidence that he had failed when in fact he did it. He did exactly what God had asked of him. He was obedient, he was faithful but he had resistance. And I yeah. think a lot of times we have mountaintop experiences with God and then the moment a struggle comes or the moment something you know threatens our safety, our security yeah. or the outcome we expected, we immediately think that God's left us, deserted us, we failed, um, it didn't go the way we thought it was gonna go. Yeah. And it's actually couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah. We're in the will of God. The yeah. opposition, the resistance that we're facing is evidence that we're following God faithfully. But we don't always that. see it that way. No. And I don't think Elijah saw it that way.
0: Yeah, I mean that's part as part of what led him to this place of despair and I think about, you know, what is the context of our despair in our lives? What leads us to that place? Mm-hmm. And what's amazing is it says Elijah ran ahead of Ahab who was on a horse. The Spirit of God came upon Elijah, he outran all the horses, and he went to Jezreel, which is where Jezebel was, it was right. the new capital of Israel at that time, he went right into the hornet's nest, into the lion's den. Why would he run there? Well, he believed, now that the people had turned back to God, after God sent fire from heaven upon Elijah's word and consumed the sacrificed. Mm-hmm. While You know, Baal did nothing and the prophets of Baal were proven wrong. Um, They were put to death ultimately. Mm -hmm. And then the people turned back to God and then God sends the rain upon Elijah's prayer. And now Elijah outruns the horses and here he is in Jezreel right back in the hornet's nest. But he's there because he wants to see Jezebel and Ahab repent. He wants to see the leadership of the nation turn back to God. And instead, what he gets is a death threat from Jezebel. Mm -hmm who could have just sent a soldier downstairs to kill him because she knew where he was, but she was afraid, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. This guy had just called down fire from heaven. She's Mm -hmm. like, I don't want fire from heaven to consume the whole capital. I'm not gonna mess with him. Maybe a threat Mm -hmm. will get him out of here. Maybe a threat will discourage him enough. And so he listened to the voice of Jezebel. And up to this point in his life, Elijah had only done what God told him to do, had only gone where God told him to go. And now in a sense, he's listening to and following a threat. He's responding to a threat from the enemy yeah. and he's running for his life, which leads to exhaustion, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And we were thinking about what are the inputs? Some of the dynamics of our despair is like, where, where are the places that fear, mm-hmm. anxiety, despair, um, depression, sadness, sorrow, isolation, exhaustion, burnout, what are the things in our life that are causing these things? And it yes. may not be a little note from satan himself but mm-hmm. we know it could be gosh social media is not helping me i get a lot of messages from social media mm-hmm. all the time in my mind of comparison of anxiety of where i should be how i'm a failure things that mm-hmm. elijah was saying right yeah. auditing our inputs but also and i'll just say this remembering that after the mountaintop experiences after the great things that god does in our lives Often the enemy comes right in Mm -hmm. with an attack. Yeah. Right after that.
1: Yeah. I know I found, you know, that idea of disappointment or thinking it's going to turn out. My life is going to turn out a certain way, or if I do this, then this is going to happen, has often led me into places of despair. I see it all the time in our culture, um, in relationships with people around me. You know, we kind of all make plans for our lives, which is healthy and good, and we should have vision and goals. And, um, but we kind of, make up in our mind how our life is going to turn out. Um, And when it doesn't go that way, oftentimes we despair because we've put our hope in those things. We've put our hope in the outcome being the way we imagined it would be. I. I mean, I feel like the greatest example I can give is probably, you know, graduating high school and just saying, okay, I'm going to go to this college. And then after that, I'm going to get this internship and then hopefully secure that job and then get that promotion. And about the time that we're financially stable, we can get married and then have kids and buy a house. And, you know, we just have all these ideas of how our lives are going to go. And one thing that doesn't work out or maybe it's a series of events Mm -hmm. where it didn't turn out the way you'd hope or um, it it, god didn't come through in the way you imagined
0: or you begin to believe some lies that are anchored in some failure of your past or again some expectation i'm not as far along as i should be Mm -hmm. as those start to come in suddenly we find ourselves i give up Mm -hmm. i'm in despair I'm not where I thought I would be. Life's not going how I thought it should go. Yes. Uh, this is not how I thought the story was going to end. Was going
1: to end. Yes.
0: But that's that's a huge part of our problem, right? Mm-hmm. Despair is anchored in the fact that we think we know the future, mm-hmm. and Elijah, a lot of his despair was because he could not possibly see he saw no future beyond that broom tree in the desert where he was like i'm laying down to die kill me now god i'm done Mm -hmm. i give up he could not see how god could still turn the nation totally around could deal with jezebel he's like lord a fire from heaven and a drought and you know all these things didn't work Mm -hmm. i'm out of ideas clearly you can't do anything else about this it's an assumption upon what god can or can't do right
1: when we um, really feel like we've hit that breaking point. Yeah. where in our minds we can't conceive a better outcome or a different yes. outcome or how God could use it for our good. Yeah. Right? Gosh, I just I think about um our journey especially like with parenthood. We, you know, encountered a miscarriage um our mm. second pregnancy um our with Lily Hope, it was we had um just a healthy, smooth sailing. smooth yeah. pregnancy, yeah. delivery, um, definitely experienced some postpartum after that, just the weight of responsibility um, that, you know, all of a sudden we we felt as new yeah. parents and um, just the adjustment, life adjustment, I think hormonal yeah. and, and chemical imbalances as a new mom, as my body was adjusting to yeah. giving birth. And then now, you know, supply, you know, feeding my newborn, all the things that go on in a woman's body. Um, So I think sometimes it can be not how we imagine life would go that can cause our despair. But also it could be really... um, things that go on within us mm. that we can't control. And I yeah. know for seasons, especially after losing our second pregnancy and our baby, um, really having to seek support and therapy yeah. and having to process and, and invite people in and, and the in the story of Elijah what we saw was when Elijah hit that point of despair he isolated himself yeah. he left his his servant his close friend yeah. and he went out um to be alone because he felt like you know i don't know what he felt like but i would imagine he um didn't want anybody to see him in that low moment yeah. and so God has taught me so much in those moments that, you know, sometimes it's the fellowship. It is the vulnerability of letting somebody into that moment, Absolutely. receiving um, counseling or therapy yeah. or even a trusted for a season. Friend. Yeah. yeah, taking medication. Um, just so many practical ways that God yeah. meets us. And I love in this story that, you know, Elijah received help from heaven. When Elijah couldn't get himself out of a place of despair, Jesus entered in. That's you see okay. the angel of the Lord come to him where he was. It wasn't like God was like, okay, Elijah, you know. But I need I- you to memorize these three yes. verses. I
0: need you to pray a little harder. I know you feel like giving up, um, you know, but just do a few more spiritual things. Right. No, God was like, hey, take a nap. Yes. Elijah, take a nap. Mm-hmm. Take care of some practical needs. here's some food, here's some water. take another nap. yes, you're really tired, okay? Don't make major decisions mm-hmm. about your life and your future
1: in this moment or in the this lens place of
0: being exhausted and hungry and just afraid worn out afraid, right mm-hmm. I know all those things feel real right now Elijah, but just take a nap, eat some food, mm-hmm. have something to drink and friends, I think, The grace of God is so practical, Yes, it meets us. I love what you said, it meets us where we are when we can't see the way forward. When we've reached our breaking point and we're like, done, I'm at the end. That's where the grace of God meets us. And often it can just be, oh, in the simplest ways of what we need, a text message from a good friend, a Mm -hmm. phone call, a walk with a good friend.
1: A good meal. A
0: good meal, a a run by the lake, a walk by the lake, just some, a nap. Get some rest. Mm-hmm. Getting some healthy rhythms into your life um, can really affect, mm-hmm. you know, this reality of despair, depression, yes. all the rest of it. Yes. Um. And yes, for seasons like therapy, potentially medication for a season can be so helpful to get your head above water. But it's it's never, um, in my mind, the ultimate solution to the problem. It's right. It's perhaps for a season mm-hmm. a part of the solution to the problem. Um, but when People lean on medication in any form to be the solution to the problem long term. Not only will it not do that, but secondly, Mm -hmm. you know, you end up becoming numbed out or dependent on it. Mm -hmm. And instead of actually changing your habits and your lifestyle and incorporating spiritual practices into your life, living in the gospel, right? I
1: love in the story how the practical steps were the starting point for Elijah they weren't the solution. They were the starting point. And I feel like God, I love when I think about how God has entered into those seasons of pain in my own life. Um, He's never given me a long list of to-dos. He's literally asked me to do one next, the one next step, step. the next right thing. And that next right thing for me might've been the nap, or it might've been, Um, you know, my diet and healthy, incorporating healthier foods into um, my daily habits. And it might have been fellowship with another believer or somebody who could, when I couldn't believe the truth of God's word for my life, who would speak it over my life and would remind me of the faithfulness of God. Um, So it usually is the starting point. The medication is the starting point. The therapy is the starting point. It's the beginning of getting ourselves to a place where we can get honest about where we're at, what we're believing. We can name the inputs. We can name the lies. We can name the threats that are threatening to take us out, that are leading us to despair. We can name the the trauma or whatever's been happening in our lives has gotten us to this place. But I love, I love how God met Elijah in the cave. Yeah, How he Um, demonstrated his character to Elijah. Yeah, Would you talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah. So the gospel moment, the low moment in the story of Elijah's life is where he gets up, you know, he doesn't get up. He goes out to the wilderness. He just says, Lord, take my life. And there's so many dynamics around that. We just talked about a lot of those disappointment, exhaustion, um, feeling like a failure. He Mm -hmm. said, lord i've done all i can but i failed like my father's before me like i haven't turned the nation back to you when in fact the people were there the leadership was not so it's a whole bunch of dynamics around that um it's also what inputs are we letting in but then at the point of lowest return the angel of the lord comes in he gives Elijah supernatural food he goes you have to eat this it's going to sustain you for 40 Mm -hmm. days and 40 nights and essentially god is saying I'm going to carry you to the mountain of God. I'm going to meet with you there. And Elijah, we need to recalibrate your hearing. There's some things that we need to work on. And I've always been confused about this moment in the cave with Elijah where God asks him a simple question. Mm -hmm. What are you doing here, Elijah? Yeah. I'm sure at one level, Elijah's like, I have no idea. How I got I thought here. I, I had no plans past the broom tree. I thought right. I was going to die back there. Uh, somehow you've sustained me and carried me to a place I could never go. Yeah, That's the gospel right mm-hmm. there. And now I'm here. Okay, well, I'll tell you why I'm here because, and he says this, I've been very zealous for you, God. I've done everything you've asked me to do. I've stood for you, right? Mm-hmm. But the nation hasn't turned back to you. The people—they don't honor you. They worship Baal. They've torn down your altars, mm-hmm. and they all want to kill me. Mm-hmm. So he's venting to God, yeah. right? And I love it because most of what he said right there is not currently true. It's just not. He has been zealous for God. He's done what God has asked. Mm-hmm. But you know what he's talking about is ancient history when ahab and jezebel first took over yes the nation turned away from god they tore down all the altars yes you know they they didn't obey god or listen to god all that was true four or five years ago but now Mm -hmm. they've just had the showdown on mount carmel god versus baal god answered by fire the whole nation turned back to god elijah saw it he heard it victory Mm -hmm. the turning point has come And so Elijah is speaking his disappointment, his hurt, he's explaining why he's burned out, exhausted, why he hit his breaking point. Mm -hmm. And then God says, go stand out on the mountain before me. And Elijah won't go, he stays in the cave. Mm -hmm. And then there is massive sound of a mighty wind outside like a hurricane, there's an earthquake where rocks are coming down the mountain and smashing Mm -hmm. each other, there's fire from heaven next. But every time it says, god was not in the wind yeah he wasn't in the earthquake he wasn't even in the fire and then he heard the sound of a gentle whisper Mm. the sound of a gentle whisper and he moved towards the mouth of the cave towards the front of the cave he cloaked his face and i love it because the whole context of a whisper why a whisper well you have to be close to someone to hear what they're saying when they're whispering yeah and god was inviting him close yeah and he asks, I love it. There's an exact repeat of the conversation. Mm-hmm. He asks him again, what are you doing here, Elijah? Yep. It's like, Peter, do you love me? Three times on the seashore after Peter failed. It's like, Adam and Eve, where are you? Yep. After they'd eaten the forbidden fruit. He knew where they were. He knew Peter loved him. Uh-huh. He knew like why Elijah was there. Elijah says the exact same thing to him. Mm-hmm. The only difference is his proximity to God. Yeah. He vents, he says it all, the exact same thing. The first time he said it, he's way deep in the cave, far away from God. The second time he says it, he follows the whisper of God mm-hmm. and he speaks it in the presence of God. And I'm telling you what struck me was despair cannot exist in the presence of a sovereign God, in the presence of a sovereign God who holds the future in his hands. Yes. There is no hopelessness or... Um, despair of the future when you're near a God who says I can do anything I want Mm -hmm. I can rewrite this story it's not over yet Elijah and somehow in the nearness of God and Elijah just venting it to God
1: Mm -hmm.
0: it's over it's healed and then the next verse God goes all right you ready I need you to go anoint a new king of Syria anoint a new king of Israel and go anoint your successor successor, Elisha yeah and off he goes
1: I love that so much, um, for so many reasons, but to me, the whisper of God reveals the tenderness of God, yeah. the gentleness of God. God knew exactly what Elijah needed in order to approach him. And I think oftentimes it's not that God is not there in the despair. It's just, we're not aware of his presence. Yeah, We're not aware. Um, of his character and who he says he is. And what God was doing was he was recalibrating Elijah's heart and his hearing, and he was letting him speak out what he was feeling, get it out in the presence of God, who was all powerful, all knowing, fully capable to turn around the situation, to write a new ending to the story. And I think Elijah, um, God let Elijah be heard but he didn't come back at Elijah and say, you know, um, again, he, he wasn't, he he didn't say, oh, that's all lies. That's not true. He just said, all right, say Elijah, it keep, say it again, and now follow me.
0: Yeah, I need you just to hear what you're me. saying, Elijah, yes. in my presence. In my
1: presence. And, um, and then he got his next assignment yeah. and he got his next step yeah. and he was able to follow the Lord into that. But I just love that God approached him with a whisper. It was almost like he was personally wanting Elijah to hear himself and to hear um, his care, his concern for Elijah yeah. Yeah. and wanted him to experience his presence. And that is the most healing thing. Yeah. When we see that God has entered into our pain uh, through his son, Jesus. Yeah. Through the cross, He didn't leave us alone in our despair, in our fear, in our suffering. Um, he entered into it yeah. in Jesus. And when we remember the cross, when we remember Christ met us in that place, yeah. just like He met Elijah in the desert under yeah. that yeah. broom bush,
0: broom tree, broom, broom bush, tree. Yeah. yeah,
1: when He met Elijah there, yeah. and He carried him into the presence of God. That's what Jesus does for us. Yeah. When we lean into him, he carries us into the presence of God, and in God's presence, we find healing. I love what David said in Psalm 42 5. He had a moment of despair. He said, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Mm. David knew that his soul was weary, tired, despairing, discouraged, and he said, Just realign your hope mm. soul. Yeah. Look back at God. Look at his faithfulness. Look at his faithfulness. Look at his goodness. Look at how he's shown up for you. He is your
0: savior. That's so good. He is
1: your hope. And that is um how I've always found God meets me in those places. Yeah.
0: I love it. So just a few practical things for you guys as we as we say, okay, this story is amazing, right? Mm-hmm. But what do we do practically if we find ourselves at our breaking point, giving up, burned out, exhausted, full of despair, depression, in a place where we feel like, God, I can't even reach out. I'm just gonna lay down, Mm -hmm. like I'm just done, right? What are some things that we can do in that place, right? Um, I love that the beginning of the help from heaven, the receiving help from heaven is just very practical. Take a nap, rest, make sure you're getting enough rest. Um, take a look at what you're eating, make sure you drink enough water. Like Mm -hmm. it's just taking care of our natural bodies. Don't isolate like he did, uh, bring somebody in, bring a trusted friend and let them know where you are speaking it out. There's power in that, right? Um, so the practical things first, and maybe it's a step towards therapy, towards counseling, getting professional help. Um, especially if, if you're in the spot that Elijah was in where he's like, I want to die. I can't the future is so full of despair. I don't want to live anymore. Mm -hmm. If you're in that place, my prayer for you is just don't stay there alone. Let someone else in. And just the little practical steps can begin a process of healing that right now you may not be able to imagine, but there is a future and a hope for you. Yes. Um, The second thing, I think is so helpful, is Elijah was listening to that message from Jezebel. Yeah. And so we need to take an audit of our inputs. Where is the message of fear, worry, anxiety getting into our minds and our hearts? Mm -hmm. Where is it coming in? And we need to cut that off. And we need to recalibrate all the distractions in our life and make space to hear the whisper of God. Yeah. It's a whisper. Yeah. It's not loud. And so how do we create space to hear that, Um, making sure we're listening to the right voices, finding safe places to vent. Um, And yeah, I think just realizing God is near to us in Christ. And when you you just pour your heart out to him, not with fancy words, but just tell him where you are within proximity of God, knowing, focusing that he's near to you,
1: Mm -hmm. it can
0: change the perspective of your despair and you realize there's always hope with him. Yeah. There's always hope with him. We've been going for a while. I know. <laughs> did, did you so much one to more thing about. you wanted to add or I close think us out with?
1: The last thing I would say is um, remembering the faithfulness of God in your life, yeah. where God has brought you from in times past, when you have had so moments of despair or hopelessness, or you have felt like you know the outcome was not going to be, um, it, you know, it wasn't going to change or it wasn't going to be any different, and realizing how God has met you in the past and remembering His faithfulness will give you courage to believe for a better future and uh, will replace your hope back in God. So you won't be looking at yourself to save yourself. You won't be um, looking to your own strength, but you'll be looking to your savior for that help. So remembering the faithfulness of God, thanking him for the ways he's shown up in times past and knowing he's going to do it again. He is going to be faithful again. He's never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He never gives up on us and he carries us through.
0: I think we should end with that. All right. <laughs> um, hey, thank you guys so much for, for listening, for taking the time, for being on this journey. If you're in the fight, it's a sign that you're alive. There is always hope in the nearness of God. He's near to you today. Remember that. We're praying for you. We love you guys. Thanks for tuning in and we will see you next week.